Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Welcome, everyone, to the Spirit of EQ podcast. This is Eric Pennington. Joining me, as always, is Jeff East. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone out there. So today's episode, we've got a really special guest. Um, you've probably heard me say it before about how excited I am about having somebody on, and, and that is true. But I've met Heather, oh, it's probably been about a month and a half, and I think the first time that I met her, I could feel this energy going, wow, this, this, this is good. This is good. This is good. And I wasn't vocalizing or verbalizing that to Heather, but it was there. And the more she, I heard about her story, the more she told me about uh, her journey, I just thought, man, this is something we definitely want to share with our audience. So Heather, welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Hi, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Cool. So let's jump right in. Um, okay. One of the things that really jumped out to me when we had that first conversation is that you said that you never saw yourself as a formal artist. And of course, I had to butcher it. Heather, for our audience, is an entrepreneur and an artist. Um, and she'll talk more about those things as well. But I typically get that at the beginning, Heather, but I didn't. So <laughs> that's okay. All right. So you said that you never really considered yourself a formal artist, but that something had ignited that in you. Um, do you care to talk about, because I, I guess when I've looked at your work, your paintings, I'm going, well, if you didn't consider yourself an artist, oh my goodness, because <laughs> the art is just unbelievable i've seen them too okay so so what can you open that up a bit what why did you not feel that you were an artist formally or yeah yeah so um i was thinking about this this morning as i was looking or you know considering considering this this story and, yeah and i guess and it kind of all does come back to the narrative and the story and i would say when i want to say formal artist mm -hmm if I can frame that as like an artist who's making her living through art. Right. Um, and that's really where the formal part for me at least has come in. And that's super recent. Mm -hmm. um, the igniting of understanding that that could actually be a possibility for me in my life yeah. um, has been coming, has been being realized through my experience and through this life lived, I would say over the past, uh, since 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was really the trigger. So it's not like one specific ignition point, but I could point to, um, three key 
events that really have unfolded and allowed and moved me further to that that realization that I could actually be a working fine artist. And so the first trigger point um, for this ignition was in 2016 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, with stage 2B breast cancer. And had up to that point been following societal narrative and what I would call false construct, well, the ideas of what my life was supposed to be. I really believe that we are all born artists, but that we spend a lifetime gathering evidence that supports uh, a narrative that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't support the, tr the, the truth that we are born creators. Um, and I don't mean, I mean, I paint, but I think we, we are all creators we're all artists. And yeah, I've spent a lifetime um, when I was born, then just having that covered up for me and then believing it and, and building the story mm -hmm. um, around me. I like to think of it like a maybe a pearl, um, you know, who's been covered in, um, in mess and sand. Um, and then I would say the cancer and the realization of the cancer uh, really sort of broke that open for me, like mm -hmm. really broke through that layer. And because when you're faced with that, your mortality in that way, um, when it's laid out there on the table for you to look at and go, okay, you know, this might really be it. And you realize that all of the activities that were supposed to keep you safe, uh, you know, that society told you we're going to give you everything you want has not actually kept you safe. And the one thing that, you know, your mortality uh, comes to meet you anyway, uh, that really opens up an entire new perspective and world and worldview. And um, so that was when it really started. And I always wanted to be an artist as a kid, but I was told, like many of us are, that being an artist is not a viable career option. Um, you know, being an artist, you won't make any money. Artists are poor. They're sad. They're, they're drunks. They're whatever the story is that we tell ourselves about art artists. Um, and I believe that. So I followed the corporate narrative and was more miserable than ever until the day that I was diagnosed and I woke up and was on the inside, uh, pretty grateful that I didn't have to go back into that corporate workplace for a while. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you're in a bad place when having cancer diagnosis is becoming a preferred state, uh, to the life lived. Isn't it interesting? And I know Jeff, we've talked about this, uh, multiple times about these different seemingly bad seemingly chaotic things turn out to be just the right thing you know you know kind of the idea of the fertilizer right at the time you're going oh my gosh no not no come on no no <laughs> but the longer that you're in it then that no starts to become well and then I think it turns to maybe. Yeah. And then, wow, I never thought about. And on the other side of it is potentially, right? Because I, I can't speak for everyone, but potentially there is that, wow, if this hadn't happened, I don't think I would have had the courage. I don't think I would have been willing, all of that. Mm. Um you, you you mentioned Heather about these constructs and you you know what you're supposed to be, um, and 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 it really kind of brings to mind. I remember that quote from Ian Morgan Cron about uh, who were you before? What was that? How does that go, Jeff? Um, who were you 
before you were told what you were supposed to be, something <laughs> to that, right? And, yeah. and, and that always resonated with me um, because it, it seems like there's this battle between the real us and then the sort of version of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like art contributed to you finding that real you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the art was my natural expression as a as a young as a young girl you know i was always painting drawing and mm-hmm. when i was actually given the time which is what happened when i had the chemotherapy and i got pulled off that merry-go-round which as as bullheaded and as dogged as i was in my pursuit of what i believed was going to be safe that was actually the only thing that was going to take me off of that was some sort of just stop illness. Um, it wasn't going to happen because I elected to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be, I, unfortunately, it needed something that <laughs> radical. But then when I allowed myself the time, um, then I was free to explore because I was one of those who collected art supplies. I think a lot of us do this. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of wa- wannabe quote unquote artists. I spent a lot of money purchasing tons of supplies, but what I never gave myself was the time. So when I actually allowed myself the time, when I came, you know, prayer and and, and meditation and finding my way back um, to my higher power, also, you know, at the, on that very same day, um, it released inside of me and art became my way to express and commune with the divine through my art. Like that was my communion. That was my devotion um, where some people might, I don't know, people have ways, have ways of communing and being with and art became my, my way. Yeah. So I've got to ask, because I know that the audience might be thinking about it too. So can you talk a little bit about that corporate life, how you got there and then maybe, you know, kind of pull it together with, uh, what you said as far as uh, the art and, and the cancer diagnosis. Sure. So um, I have triplet daughters and um, they're amazing. They're 20 now. But when they were born, uh, my husband and I had to, one of us, you know, we had to make a decision on one. Somebody had to stay home because the cost was just too high, mm-hmm. um, you know, fiscally <laughs> and, um, you know, then emotionally. Um, and because we, again, believed that money was the be all end all of everything, um, we were in a position where it was better for him to stay home than me. So that kind of started the whole uh, me like driving to be the sole breadwinner and he would stay home and raise the children. Um, most people, that's kind of a, you know, a role reversal, especially in the U.S. back in that time. Sure. Um, and it wasn't didn't fit my narrative, again, of what being a mom was. But by golly, I was going to be the best breadwinner that, you know, I could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I climbed that corporate ladder and I was really good at what I did. Um, and I rose very, very high, very fast um, and became a global uh, vice president for a global company in marketing. Um but the higher I got, the more miserable I became. The less time I spent with my family, the more money I made. But that was supposed to make me happy, but it didn't. So, like I said, I just bought art supplies, um, but I never saw them and I was miserable. So that ultimately, I think the stress of being somebody I wasn't, of wearing all of these identities, of pretending like I was somebody that I wasn't inside, 
uh, caused this, this. My body, the body keeps the score, right? The body just said no. And I think it just came out through all these tumors that I was oblivious to. I didn't even ha- take the time I needed for self-care to go to the doctor. Wow. You know, or I wasn't going to the good doctors because anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, you know, so corporate America, I was following the script. You know, we had the money, the car, the homes, the vacations. I didn't see my family ever, but. Yeah, man. The uh, the interesting thing, um, and I, I think about uh, one of my kids uh, who's 21, and uh, I've really tried to make sure that he understands that he doesn't um, – he doesn't need to do what I think he should do. He needs to find his path. He needs to find his voice. And I did give him a warning once. I said, it's much better, because um, I was just basically, Heather, I was telling him that, you know, I don't care what job you have, what career path you choose, you're going to have problems. There's going to be things about it that's just going to suck. He said, the key, I said, the key is, though, find something that's your voice so that when the things that come around that suck, it's not such a bad thing. <laughs> I said, his name is Grant. I said, Grant, I can tell you from experience, to be doing something that you hate and to also deal with the stuff that sucks, <laughs> that's not good. That's, that's really, really bad. And my hope for you as a parent is that you will not find yourself in that place. So make those choices very clear now, right, as you're, as you're deciding. And I'm amazed, Heather, at how much pressure in, in the college world there is to get him to fit in the box. Mm, Just yeah. fit in the box. Don't No, that might work for them, but not you. You've got to get an internship you've got to get an internship with a major corporation and then after college you've got to get the entry level and then and then and it's like heather i'm going i'm looking at that going these are the same people pitching the same story that i heard (laughs) you know and when i heard your story that first time i'm going i'm not alone I got out. She got out. <laughs> we made it. You know, we're 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 finding the path, right? And and I get it. It's not that I'm trying to say that everyone should be an entrepreneur. Everyone should be an artist. No one should work in corporate America. It's not those extremes. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, I I know deep in my core um, that was not. <laughs> I mean, and and I look back with I call it regret with learning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't who I was. I mean, right. in the sense that um, if I look back on it in retro, I could say, okay, you don't need to be this guy. You don't need to do these things. You 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 don't have to get the next and the next, you know? It's 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 the you don't have to. And, and the, the difference is it's not about, yeah, wrong or right jobs or careers, right? It's are you in choice when you make the decision? Yeah. Or are you living somebody else's story? Yeah. You it, it, and that's like to me, that's what it comes down to. Now, if I had like chosen, and some people would say, "Well, you did choose." Okay, I chose, but I didn't think I had the sovereignty to choose. Mm-hmm. I had no agency. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I had any agency because if I didn't follow this, then I was what you know, a bad mom, a bad provider, a bad woman. You know, and and so. 
we, we say in our society that fear is good. And I'm sorry if anybody, you know, if I'm going to offend people, but fear is not good. Fear doesn't do, doesn't drive anything good. Fear, there's fear and love. If you're choosing from love, if I had loved that career, if I had loved that and been safe and felt happy and whole, yeah, then I could have dealt with what the other things was. But the fact was I didn't. I did it because I was afraid if we didn't have any, if enough money, I was afraid. And there's a difference between being afraid and being in your discernment and being prudent. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's that's uh, a great point. Can I, Go ahead, Jeff. I've got a question for Heather. It's it The way you were describing, you know, what was going on with you with the cancer and things, and I went through a similar situation. In a way, and I think you already said that, I know I was lucky in a way that I had that situation that brought my life to a complete stop. And you you did too, it sounds like. Mm. What about the people that don't <laughs> – boy, this sounds awful, but <laughs> that aren't lucky enough <laughs> to have that stop, to, to give them the chance to make a decision like you did and, and the changes I made? Mm. Maybe that's too philosophical. No, I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I think if I had – if I had believed or known – that I didn't need to buy the story that I was being told. If I had trusted myself, Mm. if I knew that I was the one that was in charge of the decisions that I was making. Um, And I think that comes with curiosity uh, because I, I never questioned anything. I just believed and I feel like when people start to wake up to trust themselves, and I mean, I think it can start with really simple decisions or things, you know, like to what you're going to eat, to what you're going to put on in the morning, to what you're going to wear. And the thing is, is that once there's that crack in that opening and that armor that we all have, when there's a crack in that, and I think that crack can come there from curiosity and, you know, and learning that that you can push back on some things and it gets wider and wider. And then you might have the opening to leave, but we're so busy we're so busy. We're so busy being asleep and we're so busy checking things off of our to-do list. And we're so busy being who it is that we're told that we can, that, that, that sometimes, unfortunately it does take just like a a horrible, you know, life altering thing. And even that's no guarantee that you're going to wake up. Right. Because Mm -hmm. in a life altering situation, you're told, you know, you're, you're basically, you know, we'll just get back to work or, you know, don't worry about it. Just a blip in the radar. I mean, like even that, like go, 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 go get back to sleep, you know, stop, stop waking up. Um, you're, because given, <laughs> you're given a goal of getting back to what you were. Yeah. Get, get, get back to what you are, you know, get, get back in your box because once you start asking questions, I mean, the most terrifying thing to the power structure of whatever we have is people start to wake up and ask the questions, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, Jeff, as you're mentioning that I know from my own experience, Heather, um, and again, it might just be my experience, but I heard the whispers along the way mm-hmm. and then the whispers got louder the more intense it got, right? Mm, and I, and yeah. I'll never forget this one um, person who worked um, with me. We were doing some very creative things inside of this corporate matrix, right? And my responsibility level, you know, it, it was fairly large span, and I was different. <laughs> and 
those in the audience know I'm a four on the Enneagram. So <laughs> saying that I'm different <laughs> is really nothing really that quite unique. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, so I'll never forget this guy sitting with me and I, I we were sitting in my office and I, I was like, I was, you know, I'm ready. Okay, now it's time to have a business conversation type deal, right? <laughs> we're going to talk about this and talk about that and where are we going and how are we going to hit it and all, whatever. And I remember him saying, can I just stop you for a minute? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, what? He goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, I, and I felt as if somebody had just put a giant spotlight on me and it could be seen by millions of people. I felt so mm-hmm. exposed because it was mm-hmm. kind of like, how did he know? How did yeah. he know? And I, that was just one of those, right? And there were more instances. And it seemed that before I finally got kicked out, <laughs> it just, the intensity just ratcheted, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, th- I think to some degree, um, it's, it's almost that, and I'm equating my, my, my belief structure that it was God's way of saying, I, I'm, I'm going to move you through here. I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to move and I'm going to set circumstances in such a way that it will get to a place where you will be unable to ignore mm, this yeah. unbelievably clear sound that's in your head. And I could have said all day long, Heather, that, well, you know, I was thinking about doing this and thinking about doing that. And I've been weighing my options. I've been talking to my spouse and, oh, no, you weren't. You were running, man. <laughs> you you were playing this role and you were running. But I and I as I look back, and that was fifteen, almost twenty years ago. It it wasn't a cancer diagnosis, but it was one of those things that I I needed it yeah. in in order to come to the conclusion under to understand. Wait a minute, you know. Um, so, but with that. I've got to ask, um, did you leave the corporate world? Like, was it in that succinct, I, I'm, I get the diagnosis, I decide yeah. I'm out or? No, I mean, when I went back, you know, I had I had to go back and, um, and just nothing was the same. I mean, I had fundamentally changed on so many levels. And mm-hmm. since we are talking about the Enneagram, I, I lead with eight on the Enneagram. So mm-hmm. my former... Um, eight self was very, was uh, very good in this environment. Um, I would say it was rewarded. Um, I went back a much kinder, gentler uh, person and my whole world had shifted in the professional world too, because the team and my boss and everybody was gone and, and I was stuck somewhere which where I did not fit. But I knew myself better and I loved myself more and I had more self-worth. Like I was more valuable than just whatever it was to the company. So they kept giving me less and less and stripping more and more things away from me, like my title, my team, my budget. And then finally one day, like, it's like you said, you know, something moved you along, right? Like, <laughs> like I got to the point where I woke up, I'm like, okay, no more. Like, I am too good for this. This isn't, you know, they're either going to, I'm too valuable for this and I'm not going to be made small, you know? Mm. Whereas like the old me would have just said, okay, I'm just going to sit here and let this happen. But no, I had outgrown that. I was bigger. I was better. And life was too short for me to say that. So I just told them either use me in the way that I deserve that I have a value or, you know, we're going to part ways. 
I mean, that's what happened. And that was <laughs> January of 2020. So like, I had no idea that, you know, COVID was coming. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that went. I like, I just took charge of my life and said that you're not going to do this to me anymore. I'm not going to allow this to happen. It's back to that choice and that sovereignty thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I also know about your work um, in, and I, I, I won't even, probably that's not the right way to say it. I think it's your heart for people and maybe even more pointed toward women who are in maybe the same kind of situation you were in. Uh, not identical, obviously, um, but where they're kind of feeling stuck, where they're maybe kind of feeling like, okay, so where, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And I may not be using the right way to describe it, Heather, but can you talk a little bit about your heart for the, those in the workplace that might've, or might still be kind of in the place that you were? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the, burnout rate in women is epidemic. And um, when you're in the corporate workplace and you're shoved into this role and given a set of instructions and um, when all the things that make you who you are from the, you know, the divine feminine and your intuition and your flow and your compassion and all of those things are not naturally part of the patriarchal corporate structure that exists. And you spend that entire time stuffing all of those things into a box not to be looked at. Um, it can lead to, um, it leads to burnout, right? And, mm -hmm. and things like sickness. And I would find women crying in the bathroom. I mean, this is for real, right? From, you know, and because you're not allowed to do that. And, you know, you're supposed to follow this, this task list and never cry and never, you know, never do any of the, of the things that you naturally might want to do. And for women or for, for, I guess it's not just, I'm speaking as a woman because I yeah. am a woman. I identify as, as a woman. Right. Um, I spent a lot of time pulling, pushing back my natural impulses um, towards compassion, towards collaboration, towards teamwork, towards um, those ways, towards intuition. Um, my masculine side was very strong, but that masculine side completely was out uh, outbalanced. It was was the feminine was not there. I was not integrated. I was not balanced. And what I see is a lot of imbalance in the corporate corporation that could do with a lot more, you know, <laughs> of the feminine um, of the feminine energy. And I think that we're just seeing that happen now. People are just leaving, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, what do you think? Do you think that the two can coexist inside of the the current structure? And I say it that way because, and this is the thing that drives me crazy, uh, not as much as it used to, but <laughs> many of the organizations are built on a framework that's over 100 years old. I don't know of anything that I'm using in my life that's over a hundred years old that is still of some real use and value. <laughs> and this is not me being a corporate hater. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's these, it's again, hierarchical power structures that are so rigidly defined. They have no, there's no movement there, which is, 
you know, there's, there's no integration, there's no flow, there's no, hey, let's see what happens. There's no curiosity. There's no right. questioning. I mean, I was in the military as well, right? I mean, and I'm not saying the military is the best place to have a lot of questioning. <laughs> You're right. taught not to question. Yeah. But I mean, when that same thinking is moved over into a corporate corporation, which is what it is, right? Because they they depend on everybody to follow their piece and their role, right? Without asking a lot of questions because it's a machine and you're a cog in the machine, which is why I also believe that the innovation is completely getting, gets wiped out. I lived in Sweden. Sweden is a super innovative country, but they make room for innovation. Innovation requires new thought. It, inqui- mm-hmm. it requires lateral thinking. Um, the way that the companies are set up it leaves no room for that. There's no room for that. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Cause wow, Heather, you know, I'm thinking back to what you said earlier about, about fear and in our work, we talk about emotions being these neurotransmitters, you know, these emotions or chemicals that communicate with us to try to get our attention, to try to get us to pay attention. And I think about those companies, those leaders who ignore those prompts of listening, right? Because typically, for example, when we're afraid, um, and I'm going to speak for the male side of the equation, there is sometimes a tendency to rally to, I'm not afraid. I can handle it. I'm, I'm good. I can be strong. I'll fix. I'll take care of. All of these different we, things. We puff up. Yeah, as Jeff would say, right? <laughs> and my perspective is, well, why don't you just pause and sit with that for a minute? Ask those questions. Why are you afraid? What's behind that fear? Where did it come from? Because I think, and I've found from my own experience, um, most of the time, it has nothing to do with me rejecting an idea that has innovation written on it. It has to do with something that happened 40 years ago on a playground, in a house, in a school that never got dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the blocks to being willing, because we know intellectually, right? Why would we be still operating under a system that's over 100 years old. It, it makes no sense. But as uh, as I know you know, Heather, our brains and how it works, you know, we just, we got to keep going. Don't, as you said, don't question, just do. Don't question, do. And that's okay, I guess, until you get to the cliff. <laughs> you know, it's kind of that kind of thing. Um, so some of the things that we, we've talked about in other conversations, Heather, about your work, what would you like sort of those who f- really can relate to where you've been, right? Again, not identical, not exactly the same, who might be wondering, well, what could I do? I mean, what would you tell them? And maybe in form of maybe a few advi- pieces of tips or advice in, in that regard. Well, I want to get just like one of the things what, what what you just said is, you know, being comfortable in the uncertainty is mm. really where we we need to to get. And in order to be comfortable in uncertainty, you have to learn to trust where you are with yourself um, and your relationship. And 
And I'll, I'll never forget when I was laying there in bed after the da- diagnosis and, and realizing that there was nothing that was going to save me. It was just me. It was down to me and my higher power. And when you're dangling out over that cliff and you don't know what's underneath, if you don't have a trust in self, um, where are you going to go? And um, I would say developing that trust, like instead of, you know, um, we we run around asking everybody, we, we poll for guidance, right? What do you think? Who do you think? What, 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 you know, we, because we don't go inside because sitting inside with ourselves can be some of the most uncomfortable work that we do, right? It's not a lot of fun sometimes to look inside. I know as an aide, it wasn't a lot of fun for me to face up to some of the things that I had done and said. Um, so developing that relationship with self and knowing that you are there for yourself um, would be the the most important thing that I could do. You don't need to go outside to to find you know, your guidance, learn to trust, Yeah, trust your intuition and develop that relationship with self. Um, I should have listened to my gut a million times over, Mm -hmm. but I was taught that that was silly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jeff is probably going to nudge me and say, shut up. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and talk again. So Jeff, it doesn't do any good. Oh gosh. Now see, (laughs) he does those subtle digs. He's very good at that. I got to tell you, uh, you know, just in vulnerability and transparency here, Heather, um, lately I have been like feeling like there's this swirl of chaotic things going on in my life. Right. And there are things that I do not like because I can't seem to get myself like at peace with any of them, right? Mm. And I was thinking about it <clears throat> this morning. And I, though my diagnosis wasn't your diagnosis, I had enough of one in 2020 to go, you don't have time. You better choose happiness now. Just choose mm. it. Find it wherever you can find it. So this morning I found it with my dogs intentionally pausing and spending time in front of them. I did it intentionally by looking out at the sun, getting sun in my Mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's not a hooray for Eric thing, because I'm telling you, I don't like it. I really don't. I I feel unsettled. Mm. But one thing that this dynamic has done for me, it has helped me to understand that living a transcendent life is the path for health. And mm. I and I say that in a way, Heather, to mean some of the things that I'm thinking about that are chaotic, I have zero control over. Mm. I can't go flip the switch. I can't go, here's, here's the money or here's the whatever. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And what I'm finding, and by making that choice, I'm gaining the level of peace to go, it's well. Mm-hmm. It's well. And hearing you describe what you did um, really inspires me around that. Because uh, I think far too often in our culture in the United States, we're always looking for circumstances to line up for us, right? right. And you, you alluded to it. You have house, have car, vacations, titles, money, uh, uh, uh. And, and we're like building this thing to just, it's just, if, it, if it'll just work like I want it to, then, mm-hmm. wow. right? You said it. 
you said it just then it's releasing the expectation of the way something should be and our pain i honestly know this in my soul our pain only comes from something being the way that it, we didn't want it to or we didn't expect it to like a course in miracles uh, no one can fail but your idea of him your my art cannot fail but my idea of what it's supposed to be if you can be in the present moment and accept what's coming to you mm-hmm. and quit trying to make it be something from history or something in the future that's the key right i mean and it's not about making things oh this is all beautiful and great no it's not but yeah. can i sit with this and know but because think about the things that are painful in your life why are they painful you know a lot of it's because you didn't want it to be that way, right? <laughs> like if my art, if I don't like a painting, maybe it's because I didn't want it to be that way, but it is the way it is. Like it just, yeah, I can't so honor that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And release the expectations and allow life to be and unfold. Well, fortunately, uh, um, through the work and emotional intelligence and you know, the journey, uh, in general, uh, I have, um, how would I say it? Um, I've developed a practice and I, I mean, and this is coming from a guy who is absolutely the worst because Heather, at some point we'll probably be able to compare notes about our corporate lives and <laughs> it'll be a lot of you too. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like, this is not the version that was, I mean, yeah. I, that was an Oscar worthy performance. This, <laughs> this is the real thing. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm so thankful, you know, when I say that, you know, and I use that, the example I gave about the, you know, the chaotic and trying to get settled is that you're right to that. And and we use this, Jeff, we were talking uh, uh, with uh, Josh on the episode about, you know, that it's okay. And us being able to accept mm-hmm. the fact that, in this moment in time, there's nothing wrong with chaos. And there's nothing wrong with you not necessarily having a grasp on how you're going to manage it all. Why don't you be okay with that? Uh, instead of, and to your point, right, that somehow I can I can concoct a magical plan that will get <laughs> rid of, because I don't like it, like, you you know, to right. your point. I, I don't like this, right. so I got to get rid of this. Um <laughs> You're right. You can't strategize your way to joy. Quit striving. I mean, that's know, great. Like, quit striving. There's no project plan that's going to get you where you think you're supposed to be. And I mean, I was the queen of that. Yeah. And you still, it, it doesn't doesn't work. No. So stop it. You no. know, enjoy the sun. Enjoy your dogs. Yeah. Like that's why we're here to yeah. transcend and to come to that realization and quit trying to construct this whatever. Yeah. Whose idea of happiness? Yeah, and like, and and I use this Heather with um, uh, with Josh Friedman from uh, Six Seconds. We did a episode with him, and uh, we were talking about this video from Simon Sinek, uh, and he was being interviewed. And this this interview is pretty recent. I didn't mention that, Jeff. Um, and he's on the brink of doing something much different than what I think a lot of people are expecting. I won't give it away, but. <laughs> One of the things that he said is that he doesn't like the idea of calling mental health mental health. He says he looks at it as mental fitness. It's an ongoing thing. And what I loved about it, and it kind of 
connects to this about, you know, you may do everything right as it relates to preparing for that day in the gym, and it might be a lousy session. You mm-hmm. don't feel as strong. You don't have as much energy. But you did all the right things to to make it a good session, but it didn't. And instead of looking at it as I failed, there's something wrong with me, why don't you just be okay with it? Today wasn't my day. And you know what? Tomorrow I'll try again, and we'll see how that goes. I just think sometimes, Heather, we, in, whether it's in a corporate situation or in families, we put so much unnecessary weight on ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and for what? Exactly. Because somebody said you were supposed to. Yeah. Like, for what? Yeah, exactly. Love, love yourself, love the people you're with, and let that be enough, and all the rest will flow out from that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, all right, so... Uh, as I know, we're getting close to the end of this particular episode. I wanted to ask you, what are you currently working on that's making you come alive? And whether that be inside of your art, something with your entrepreneur pursuits or what have you. Um, I am painting almost every day. And my battle, if you will, right now, but it's making me come alive because my art is a direct reflection of how much work I'm doing spiritually, um, exploring and allowing myself to um, stop planning so much in my painting and just letting it explode onto the canvas and abstract shapes. Um, you know, can I give myself the freedom to put what colors I want on a canvas? Uh, and that's getting closer and closer. That brings me to life every time I'm in the studio painting. And the other thing is working um, my spiritual direction program that mm-hmm. I'm in. Mm-hmm. To be a spiritual director is always fulfilling. And then working with you all, um, you know, in the ability to bring some of these, you know, these practices to to people. Um, that they can actually work with in creative ways to become more spiritually centered and more like in tune with themselves. So, um, you know, how do I get to know myself better? And it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah, Yourself is a wonderful place to be. We're spend our lives trying not to deal with that, but mm-hmm. we are wonderful. And um, helping people find that out is what I'm excited about. So working with you guys and my art, that's awesome. So I, I got to throw in a musical reference, Jeff. <laughs> you, you, you're not you're not surprised, it's, it's are usually you? Usually one of us. One so. of us. Uh, our uh, good friend and somewhat frequent guest on our show is a. Um, she's an artist. Her name is Leanne Lander. And at some point, Heather, it, it'll be great for you to meet her. But we were talking um, last week, and I never I didn't tell you about this, Jeff. And we got to talking about. You know, I was kind of waxing poetic about what is it about the chord change between or the progression of a B major to E flat minor. And and I think I might use this with you at one point too, Heather, as I'm thinking about it. But she was telling me about how the vibration of notes with color in mm. art is as unique as that particular note. And she she went into saying like a, if you play, if you strum a C major with and she was using this example that there's actual examples of this that have been done that a C will look different in color when it's spread on canvas than a B 
and mm-hmm. B and B minor and all of that. And what really threw me, Heather, was this dynamic about the language of music and mm-hmm. and its uniqueness to touch a part of us that um in many respects, and I'm probably fumbling to show that it is true to explain it in words. Um, so I applaud that you are in the art and you're painting every day. And uh, hopefully there's a great soundtrack behind you. Do you paint when you have, do you have music going on oh, when yeah. you paint? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And depending on what sort of painting I'm trying to create, the energy that I'm putting into the canvas, the, the playlist that goes with that. Ah, uh, I have ah. got to correspond otherwise, because the energy that comes out through the painting is, is that's part of what my art is, is, yeah. is, is that energetic vibration that's I'm, in the canvas. I'm going to date myself, but today, if somebody, when I first started buying music, you got an album with <laughs> yeah. very well thought out, art you don't mm-hmm. get that anymore mm-hmm. and i think we're missing something of the the combination of that was... I, I agree my my daughter she plays bass and she's the radio at, at, at portland at lewis and clark and she very much is about the albums and the story that unfolds and it's in the order of the tracks mm-hmm. you know and and she totally appreciates that i agree because it is it's a story it's a progression it's not just random mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't particularly like greatest hits album because <laughs> you're you're not getting that story. Right, yeah. right. And wow. I mean, my art is layers. It's a story there, right? Mm-hmm. I have a process. There's layers. I'm a very much a process painter. Wow, Heather, this has been awesome. Yes, thank you. We really appreciate you coming on to the show, and uh, we'll certainly have you back. Because I'd also like to talk a little bit more about that connection between the music and the uh, art. I was going to ask you about your playlist, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll do that the next time. All right. So once again, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, also for tuning in. We look forward to the next time we're together. Take care.